Governor, we'll start with you. Uh, Brian Kaler from Word and Way has a question. Governor Parson, the coronavirus hotspots across the nation have been traced to church services. But unlike some other governors, you said religious gatherings were exempt from the state's social distancing order. Why? Welcome to Baptist Without an Adjective, a podcast of Word and Way. I'm your host, Word and Way editor and president, Brian Kaler. On this program, we'll hear from Baptists from across the denominational, ethnic, national, and ideological lines that too often divide us. At Word and Way, we've been informing and inspiring Baptists since 1896. Learn more about us at wordandway.org. Welcome to a special bonus episode of Baptists Without an Adjective. In this episode, we're going to take a quick look at some advocacy efforts related to church-state issues that have emerged during the coronavirus pandemic. Because social distancing is so critical to flattening the curve, to keeping the pandemic from spreading, governors and mayors and other officials across the country have issued various orders requiring people to avoid mass gatherings. Sometimes this is defined as 50, most likely now is defined as 10 or more people together at a time. Other governors and officials are doing stay-at-home orders that are shutting down all non-essential businesses in addition to banning those large gatherings. And as this is occurring, it's raised an issue because many of these bans do not include a religious exemption. And that is, churches and other houses of worship can find themselves essentially banned from having 10 or more people gather together, such as a worship service. And so this would preclude most churches from being able to hold their traditional service. States like Maryland, New Hampshire, Oregon, California have not included a religious exemption. This has, of course, sparked some litigation. There was a lawsuit in New Hampshire challenging that governor's ban on gatherings of more than 50 persons. One of the three plaintiffs was a Baptist Sunday school teacher who argued that the governor did not have the right to shut down religious services. A judge, however, dismissed that suit. And Baptist experts on church state issues find that that is probably the correct decision. Leaders with the Baptist Joint Committee, which brings together more than a dozen Baptist bodies to advocate for religious liberty for all, have said that these are, are likely constitutional because they're not targeting churches. Rather, these are bans on all such gatherings, in that case, 50 or more persons. The Southern Baptist Convention's Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission has also argued that these bans can be appropriate. And in fact, they really are critical to stopping the spread of coronavirus. After all, church services have been significant hotspots for the spread of coronavirus in the United States and across the world. After a Pentecostal church service in Chicago, Illinois area, 43 people are sick and 10 have already tested positive. After services in Assembly of God Church in Arkansas, 37 people tested positive and two have died. After a choir practice at a Presbyterian church in Washington, 45 tested positive and two have died. Most of the cases in Burke County, Georgia have been traced to Palmer Grove Baptist Church. In fact, Georgia's state public health commissioner told clergy that when examining the hotspots of the virus in the state, virtually all of these cases are linked in part to large church services. And the Sacramento County, California health chief said that more than one-third of the county's COVID-19 cases were tied to church groups, including 24 cases from a single church that continued to hold in-person meetings during the pandemic spread. So churches across the country are doing the right thing. 
Likely your church has moved to some sort of alternative service. Most are trying online service of some sort, whether it be a live stream or pre-recorded and then released on a Sunday morning. Others are doing a drive-in service where everyone stays in their car in the parking lot and the pastor preaches from amplification. It's been so exciting to watch pastors. I have many of them who are friends on Facebook and seeing their videos and their ideas and the ways that they are ministering while also respecting social distancing. It is so important. It's such a positive witness as we show that we really do love our neighbors and that we're willing to respect authority that are telling us that this is the way we stop the spread of coronavirus. Now, however, despite all of that, despite the fact that constitutionally a religious exemption does not seem to be needed, and despite the fact that not having these in-person services is so critical to stopping the spread of coronavirus, many states have actually offered a religious exemption that would allow houses of worship to continue to meet in larger gatherings. Even though most are not doing that, we do see from survey research that less than 10% are still meeting. It's It's a small number, but they are still meeting. And so we've seen in states like Kansas and Michigan and New York, Ohio and Pennsylvania, these religious exemptions where churches are not required to follow the ban. Again, fortunately, most of them are, but they're not required. And we've seen some advocacy that's actually pushing some governors to add religious exemptions that did not previously exist. For instance, after three pastors filed a suit in Houston, Texas, they were challenging a local stay-at-home order that did not have religious exemption. Before that suit was even considered by the courts, Texas Governor Greg Abbott issued an order on March 31st to grant a religious exemption to any local or state coronavirus restriction in Texas. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis has done similarly on his 30-day stay-at-home order on April 1st, which he issued two days after a Tampa Bay pastor was arrested for violating a county ban on large church gatherings. DeSantis not only included a religious exemption to his order, but then also ordered that to be applied to local orders as well. So while most houses of worship are not meeting, it's troubling to see that many governors are creating that as a legal option and that yes, some congregations are continuing to meet, sometimes in defiance of bans and often because they've been granted this religious exemption. So because of that, I wanted to share a a story in Missouri where advocacy efforts that I've been involved in have actually helped move us in the opposite direction than what we've seen in Texas and in Florida. So let's set up the story and evolution of what's been happening in Missouri. Now, I should note that Missouri's governor, Mike Parson, is a Southern Baptist. He's a member of First Baptist Church in Bolivar, Missouri. And that's actually an important part of this story because on March 15th, before most churches in the country canceled in-person services, First Baptist in Bolivar, to their credit, helped lead the way in this movement. Two days before that, they announced that they would move to an online service. They were an early adapter after leaders of the congregation had talked to local medical professionals in their congregation and in the community. And so I want to applaud that church and others that were were helping lead the way in making this difficult decision to suspend in-person services. Now that particular Sunday, March 15th, President Donald Trump had declared that to be a national day of prayer related to the coronavirus outbreak. However, rather than attending his own church's live stream and perhaps noting on social media that he had participated in the National Day of Prayer that way, and, and at what point he could have set a really positive example, a really positive witness to the rest of the state of the importance of social distancing and avoiding large in-person gatherings. Instead of doing that, Governor Parson went and visited a different Baptist church, about 40 minutes away, and posted photos of himself at that church, shoulder to shoulder with people, 
And the church also happens to be in the county that at the time was the county with the most coronavirus cases in Missouri. And so he felt like this was a really poor example that he was setting for the state. And so I criticized him on social media, not that he responded. But it still seemed important to note that our leaders need to be modeling what they're telling us that we need to be doing. Later that week, on Friday of that week after that Sunday service, on March 20th, he announced that he would be doing a social distancing order statewide. There have been a lot of local orders. There have been pressure on Governor Parson to do more at a statewide level. And so his first real significant step was this social distancing order that following the CDC's recommendation did require Missourians to avoid in-person gatherings of 10 or more persons. However, he announced on that date that it would include a religious exemption. It's not about shutting places down. It is designed to promote the health and safety of the people of Missouri. The order is tailored to avoid restrictions on businesses and organizations that promote the health and safety of Missourians. This order will not apply to religious services, hospitals, grocery stores, pharmacies, and other cornerstones of our communities. So after he announced this religious exemption, uh, this time not only offered criticism on social media, but also wrote about it, had a column that was published in the Kansas City Star, criticizing Parson for this religious exemption and noting how dangerous this was. In fact, you can read that column if you're interested at tinyurl.com slash kcstarparson. That's tinyurl.com slash kcstarparson. And then after that, I started submitting questions to Governor Parson's office to be read at his daily briefing. The first couple of times I submitted the question, it did not make the questions that were asked. But, but on April 2nd, my question was asked to him as to why had he made this religious exemption? Governor, we'll start with you. Uh, Brian Kaler from Word and Way has a question. Governor Parson, the coronavirus hotspots across the nation have been traced to church services. But unlike some other governors, you said religious gatherings were exempt from the state's social distancing order. Why? Well, the church churches follow the same order we provided uh, early on. When the first order, when I talked about social distance, social gathering, the churches fall underneath that as well as anyone else. We have been in constant communication with the church leaders across the state every week since this have trying to realize the important role that they play in this crisis right now. And they have an extremely important role to play. And I'm thankful for all the alternative ways that they've been able to divide those religious service, to provide those religious services to people every day and uh, continue to support them. I challenge them to pray for our state, to pray for our country, and to be able to help. But uh, the churches fall in the same requirements as the other people under the order. Now, he didn't exactly answer why, but instead, what he offered was an answer that was a significant shift from that previous March 20th announcement, in that in this time on April 2nd, he instead said that churches, in fact, must follow the order, that they are under the order's regulations. So this was a really significant move. It not only represented a shift in policy, but then it also sent a message to churches across the state. And yes, there are some in Missouri that have continued to meet in fact, there were a couple of churches, one of them is a Baptist church in St. Louis, issued a civil summons by local officials for violating a local ban on in-person gatherings of 10 or more people. And so we do know that there are some churches that have been continuing to meet and having meetings that are 10 or more people together in a sanctuary. And that is really dangerous right now with the coronavirus. And so it was important for Governor Parson to make it clear that no churches are not exempt from that social distancing order. 
But not only that, I think it might have helped set the stage for what happened the very next day. On April 3rd, Governor Parson announced he was going the next step beyond social distancing, and now there would also be a stay-at-home order, a statewide stay-at-home order. Now, there were a lot of these locally already, but he was going to finally make this move statewide. As the governor of the state of Missouri, I'm ordering a statewide stay-at-home Missouri order for all Missourians beginning at 12.01 a.m. Monday, April the 6th until 11.59 p.m. till Friday, April the 24th. This order requires individuals currently residing within the state of Missouri shall avoid leaving their homes or places of residence. All individuals in the state of Missouri shall avoid social gatherings of more than 10 people. Now, he doesn't mention anything about religious exemptions in his remarks on Friday, April 3rd. But then I went to look at the order that was released late that day. There was a clause related to religion. But as I read through it, I realized it was actually a healthy, limited religious exemption. Here's what the order says. Individuals may also go to and from an individual's place of worship, provided that limitations on social gatherings and social distancing are properly adhered to. So what he's saying in this order is that churches must continue to follow the previous social distancing order, and that is they cannot have in-person gatherings of 10 or more people. But he is saying that someone may travel to and from their house of worship. Now, that is a valid excuse for leaving home under the stay-at-home order. So why would he offer that? Well, not only would it allow staff to head to their place of work, but it would also allow volunteers that are helping create these online worship services to have a legitimate reason to leave home and head to that church building. So the musicians that perhaps you're watching from your local church on their online service, or the tech people that you don't see but are there in the sanctuary, they are all allowed under this order to go and help participate in that online worship experience. Again, as long as there are nine or fewer people in the sanctuary. So don't have too many people in that choir or too many tech people they're involved in the room, but you are allowed to leave your house to go and help create these worship services. And so I think that's a really healthy religious exemption because one of the things that's going to help congregations, going to help people individually, spiritually during this time is that they can still have a taste of that community religious experiences that they're otherwise missing. And so by creating these online services, it is helping people stay at home because they're, they're still participating in their own church. And so creating these services is important, and I'm glad that there is that exemption that would allow people to travel to the church's sanctuary. We've actually seen this spelled out a little bit more clearly in another state. I noted earlier that California was one of the states without a religious exemption, and that's, that's mostly true. There is actually one carve-out that's very similar to what Parsons is. It's just I think California's governor made it more explicit as to what the carve-out was. And that he described that faith-based services that are provided through streaming or other technology, those were listed under essential functions. So you could still be creating these services for an online platform. That was essential. In-person services, particularly those of 10 or more people, would not be considered essential. This is an example of a healthy religious exemption that we're seeing in California and that we're now seeing in Missouri. Unlike some of the broader religious exemptions that we've seen previously in Missouri, and in several other states across the country. And so I wanted to share this story because I want to encourage you to be paying attention to your own state, to your own local rules, and what they're doing in this time. Because 
we really can make a difference. We really can continue to push our elected leaders. It may take multiple weeks, but eventually we can push them. And sometimes we can see, as has happened with Governor Mike Parson, we can see them make steps in the right direction. And so we don't know how much longer this is going to go on. I hope that you will find ways to advocate as necessary in your own states, your own communities. And also, I just want this to be an encouragement that as difficult and as awkward, particularly as we're heading into Holy Week as this may be, to have these online worship or whatever your church doing right now that's not like church that we're used to, that's not like church that we would prefer where we're in person, we're seeing our church family. I know it's all difficult right now, but it really is necessary. It really is helpful. It really is saving lives. This is us showing we love our neighbors. We're not going to create a hot spot. We're not going to spread this virus in our own communities. And so keep the faith Keep doing what is necessary to save lives, and let's keep pushing our leaders, be it in our churches or in our communities, those that are elected and otherwise, let's keep pushing them to make our society safer and better for all. Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode of Baptist Without an Adjective. As always, you can learn more about Word and Way at wordandway.org. If you're looking for even more coverage about coronavirus, including some of the issues that I've talked about in this episode, you can find those on our website under the Baptist section. We've had nearly daily articles now for multiple weeks since about March 9th. And so I encourage you to go and check those out. Many of them are domestic, but then you also find that about half of them are international stories because this is a global pandemic and it's important for us to know what's happening to the global body of Baptists. If you've enjoyed this episode, I hope that you will share it with your friends on Facebook and head over to iTunes or your favorite podcast platform and write a positive review to help more people to find the show. If you'd like to give to support this program, we greatly appreciate it. And all you have to do at wordaway.org is hit the donate button. And whatever you give there will help support the production of this podcast, as well as our website and monthly magazine. And speaking of that magazine, if you haven't done it yet, I have a special offer for you. Take me up on it. It's a great deal, half off for one year tinyrel.com slash wwoffer. If you have any comments or feedback, you can send those to me at bkaler at wordandway.org. Thanks for listening.